is the University of Michigan. Welcome back to Blue by 90. We are here with Matt Burns of ESPN and the Three Point Pod. Matt, how are you doing out there? Doing well, guys. I uh, appreciate you coming on. We've had Jack on a couple times, giving us some of his Michigan football expertise. So, so yeah, we appreciate everything Jack's done for our podcast. But I'm excited to chat with you guys, especially after that win last Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah baby. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, Tell us a little bit about your podcast, who you got on over there, and what's going on uh, lately on there. Yeah, so so like you said, it's called the Three Point Podcast. And just to give you the quick thumbnail sketch, uh, the three of us were, were from the same hometown in Michigan, Corona. So just kind of up the road from uh, Ann Arbor, over by East Up the Lane. road, up the road. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to. Uh, well, is actually up the road from Ann Arbor. Uh, Not down the road. Mel Tucker didn't really understand the whole up the road thing, but <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But yeah, so we all grew up in the same hometown, went to the same high school. The thing is, is like the hook, I guess, is three generations. So the older guy, he's like 63, Ted. Uh, I'm the middle guy. I'm, I'm 35. And then Jared, the younger guy, just graduated college. So, you know, we all grew up in the same hometown. We're all Michigan fans, the three generations. It makes it kind of fun when we get into sports debates movies even politics sometimes but you know music and stuff like that where ted can bring stuff from like the 60s and then i bring kind of like the 90s i'm like the middle guy and then jared brings that that gen z skepticism you know like (laughs) it's fun though you know we have fun with it and it's really laid back jack knows about that so um it's a good time well we're happy to have you on and then tell us about your uh your day job here too. You work for for ESPN and the SEC network as well? I do. Yeah. So I've been here for about 10 years. Uh ESPN altogether 10 years. I went out to Bristol, Connecticut where the headquarters are. I worked there for about 5 years and then I came down here where I am now uh in Charlotte, North Carolina where the headquarters of the SEC network are. And then, yeah, I've been here for about five years. So altogether, 10 years at ESPN, uh, behind the scenes stuff, video editing. Uh, I run like the replay operation for games. I produce live games on our networks. Uh, I work on the Paul Feinbaum show a lot. So um, I get to get bombarded with Harbaugh hate and uh, <laughs> love. So sometimes I got to like tune it down and uh, just just tune out everything everyone's saying on the fine bomb show, but it's a cool job. I mean, I get paid to watch and talk about sports, so can't complain. All right. I, I mean, we have to just go in and ask about fine bomb right away then, because he <laughs> is the most epic Michigan hater of all time. And most of his stuff is pretty warranted, but he goes over the top with it. Is he like that all the time? I think we, I've heard you say he's not really that much. Is it? A, is he putting on a show? Is he that much in the SEC? Give us a little back back sight or uh, back of the scenes insight on it. I mean, he definitely is all in on the SEC. I mean, he's an SEC guy, and he started making his bread down in in Birmingham, down in Alabama. So, I mean, initially, yes, 
and he's a Tennessee grad. So he is all in on the SEC, rightfully so. I mean, he's made his career talking and reporting on the SEC, but in the sense of like a Skip Bayless or, you know, some of those guys, he knows what's going to get the clicks. He knows what's going to, you know, get all the attention. When he says something about Harbaugh, it's going right to social media. It's going right on Sports Center or whatever, and everyone's talking about it. So he, he knows what's going to get people riled up, especially his followers, because most of his followers are diehard SEC people. So, you know, off the air, like behind the scenes, he has said multiple times that he respects Jim Harbaugh, thinks Jim Harbaugh is a, a great coach. But as everyone knows, says that he can't beat Ohio State. He can't win that game. So, I mean, like you said, some of the criticism is justified. So, you know, I, I think he he just panders to his fan base because he knows, like, if he can just say something about Jim Harbaugh or he can go on Get Up or something like that and say, Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in all of football, boom, social media and Twitter is going to start blowing up. So he's a good dude, though. <laughs> Have yeah, you hung out with him at all outside of uh, outside of work? No. No, no he does not. He, he's a nice guy in the office, but he is probably as, like, I'm not trying to say anything bad about the guy. He's as socially awkward as they come. I mean, <laughs> super nice, super professional, friendly, but uh, he would not be one to go out for after drink, after work drinks. Uh, we'll say it that way. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can, you can see that, but it's, it's, it is funny to see him. I mean, I think the Michigan fan base has to come start going at him for his Tennessee uh, alumnus, right? Tennessee has been in the same boat or worse. So the Michigan fan base has got to come back at him somehow for that. I mean, and they have, I mean, actually today there were a couple callers that were going in on him, but he's, that's, that's one thing. I mean, I know Michigan people and, and people who don't listen to the Feinbaum show, um, all they see are those headlines. And, you know, and I'm not trying to be like a, a company man or whatever like that, but he actually is like, he, he's pretty grounded. He will, he will rip someone when it's justified or, you know, whatever, when Saban loses a game, he'll be the first one to say that Saban blew it. Uh, and so he's the first one to say that Jeremy Pruitt, like Jeremy Pruitt just got an extension and he was the first one to say, like, what are they giving him an extension for? Like, this guy hasn't done anything. So, so like, to your point, what you're saying, you know, if, if say, Tennessee goes on a run, he'll probably be the biggest fan in the world. But he'll, he'll criticize when it's warranted. And that, that's one thing. That's why, he, that's why he has the following that he does. Yeah. I mean, he is very good at what he does. That's for yeah. sure. You know, it, yeah. it, he knows what he's doing. It's the same I, I don't want to put him on the Skip Bayless and Stephen yeah. A pedestal. No. Um, he's not to that point where he's he's coming up with ridiculous takes just to get clicks. Everything he says is usually pretty warranted, but it. I mean, the Michigan fan base is very easy to trigger. Let's be honest. <laughs> very. It, it's incredibly easy to trigger, so he doesn't have to say much um for for to get the Michigan fans riled up, and that's you know myself included right there. I. I get triggered every time I see some headline from Feinbaum, and I'm like, all right, shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's obviously very easy. But let's bring it up to the Big Ten here a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, after one week, there's there's been a lot of news just from the games. And now in the past few days, Wisconsin is the big name or the big uh, news going around that they have paused activities for seven days. 
Uh, and Graham Mertz, you know, and as well as their backup quarterback, which is technically their third string quarterback because of Jack Cohn, uh, have tested positive for COVID. Um, Paul Chris tested positive for COVID. And now that game this week versus Nebraska has been canceled. Um, so what do you guys think of this is, should they have, should they have tried to play? Um, my big, my real big question is, and this is, you know, I saw Huskers fans all over social media. Should this be a forfeit for Wisconsin because of what's going on with them? Or should it just be no game played, no blood, anything like that? Matt, start us off. Yeah, I, I guess personally, I, I like the no contest thing. I mean, I understand if it's like Wisconsin was the team that went out and broke the quarantine protocols, then they should be penalized. But, you know, we don't really know, at least yet, like where these positive cases came from. So it, I don't, I wouldn't want to give Nebraska a win without even going out there to play. So. Right. You know, the Big Ten's already playing less games than the SEC and the ACC, um, you know, and some of these other conferences. The Pac-12 is going to be way behind. They're starting, like, in six months or whatever. So, I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. So, like, first of all, I'm fine with the no contest. Don't play the game. You know, play it safe. The Big Ten did this to themselves, setting up the schedule with no bye weeks. So, no contest. I'm fine with that. The biggest question to me is, where did these positive cases come from? Like, they played Friday night and clearly were tested – probably Friday morning and everyone was cleared. And then apparently the first positive test for Mertz was Saturday. So it's kind of like, all right, so where, where did that positive test come from? Because it, Illinois, right. Has none or they didn't have a breakout. Did they? I mean, as, I don't know if you guys have seen, as far as I've seen nothing from Illinois. So that's where it's like, I mean, we know what it's like in college. Maybe they went back to Madison and went out to some parties, went to some bars or something like that. I, you know, I don't know, but that's my question is like, where did these positive cases come from? Or were they, were they hiding them on Friday night so they could play the game? You know, that, that would be the one thing to me, but otherwise I'm fine with the no contest. The the whole 21 days thing is a little strange, uh, but no contest, get everything healthy, get it right. Hopefully play next week. Yeah. I think that's very well said, honestly. I mean, I think you're right that uh, Nebraska doesn't deserve a win. I mean, I think they're clamoring for one because they know they wouldn't get it otherwise. So, I mean, yeah, they they shouldn't be penalized. And that is a good question. Where the hell did all these cases come from if they had zero on Friday? I didn't even think about that. All right. So I'm I'm gonna totally disagree with you guys. Give Nebraska the win. If <laughs> if Wisconsin's gonna you know be, I'm not gonna say they're responsible because we don't know what happened with Illinois if it came from there or not, but if it's one team's fault, the game is canceled, they should forfeit. The other team should get the win. Um, and then also, Matt, back to your – like the 21-day quarantine or sit out, whatever it is, I don't understand that because the CDC recommends 14 days. So mm-hmm. I don't understand the additional seven There's... days. I mean, it works out well for Michigan because if Graham Mertz isn't playing when when, when we when Michigan plays them in football, uh, that'll help. that'll help Michigan out for sure. But uh, I don't understand the 21 days unless it's supposed to be something to make it more more strict for the teams to try to follow protocol as best as possible. Yeah, my understanding was that the 21 days was because the Big Ten is the only organization I've heard of that is concerned about the heart inflammation issue. And so they have a lot of protocols in there about the players have to uh, go through EKGs and get like heart MRIs and things like that. Well, as far as I know, maybe if somebody else knows differently – 
you don't have to do that in the ACC, the SEC, or the Big 12. No, they're they're not doing that, um, at least what they've told the public anyway. And then the other part was so it was like a 14-day to get all those testing, all that stuff that you're talking about. And then they wanted to give the players seven days to get back to practice because you wouldn't want a guy all of a sudden getting cleared, hasn't touched the practice field in three weeks, and then he's going out to play a game. But as far as the timing, what you're talking about, Jack, it's kind of weird because it's 21 days. So he tested that first time on Saturday. So technically, like the 21 days would be on game day against Michigan. So right. he, he could actually, that would be his first start, potentially. Uh, and I've also, I've seen something floating around. It's hard to know what's rumors on Twitter <laughs> and what's real because the Big Ten, even though they had four more weeks than every other conference to figure this out, they still haven't laid it out for everybody to know. Uh, right. But somebody said, like, he, he has to quarantine for 14 days but can practice for the last seven but just can't play or something. I, who knows what is actually going to happen. <laughs> if I'm Michigan, I'm prepping for Graham Mertz, right? You you're, you're 100%. You have to prep for him. Um, yeah. in, in Wisconsin, I mean, my God, that that was one of the best debuts for a quarterback we've ever seen. He was unbelievable. Should have broke the record, but his fullback or running back <laughs> dropped that pass to make, for, what was the 17 for 17 or something like that, and then yeah. he dropped the pass. Um, so I, I think that, I, I don't know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, it, how that all plays out. Jack, I don't disagree with you that I, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to just gift Nebraska a win, but they, at least Nebraska has done everything that they can to play a game. So now, now they're penalized, you know, that's, that sucks for Nebraska. Um, Right. Like I think Kalen, I think Kalen, you said you don't think that the uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. You don't think Wisconsin should be penalized because of, um, you know, somebody players on the team getting COVID. But then Justin, to your to your point, Nebraska shouldn't be penalized because Wisconsin tested positive. Right. Like there should be I mean, I, I think there should it should be a forfeit. I think that should, it'll just make it more strict. It puts a loss on your record that makes it more of an impact. And maybe it makes people take it more seriously. Maybe Paul Christ is wearing the mask over his nose like he should be. <laughs> you know, it, it, it could change things. Yeah. No, no. I mean, there's there's definitely there there's value to that because, right, you'd be telling your players, like, don't go out and to these parties or to these bars or whatever, because we're going to not only have a no contest, we're going to get a loss. You know, right. we're going we're gonna to lose a game. So, but I think, you know, because Big Ten schedule is so shortened. Yeah. They, they they want as many games as possible. So like what you should be selling to your players anyway is we want probably I mean maybe even a loss. You know at least go out there and play because maybe right. you have a good loss. You know sometimes there is like a a good loss. So I mean if you only end up playing five games or six games, you're not going to be eligible for the college football playoff or or a bowl game anyway. I think they've said all teams are going to be eligible for bowl games. But but yeah. you know what I mean. Like if say Ohio State some for some reason only ends up playing four or five games. I mean, are you going to be able to justify putting them in the playoffs? So, I mean, they will, right? Yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, they will. They will. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's more of like a you know that you might only play five games. So, if you're the coach, you know that you have to lay out your best resume in five games or whatever, right? Yeah. So, you have to go out there and put the best thing you can. Uh, you know, control what you can control, kind of thing. So I don't I just don't think that, you know, anybody should really be penalized. You should 
just it should just be a wash for everyone, right? Go out oh. there, play the game, execute, right? I mean, let's think about it this way. One week of football has been played. Where would you rank Wisconsin based on what you saw? Would you Probably put them in the top? Ohio State, honestly. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, it's tough to I say. I put him top ten. I mean, yeah. Graham Mertz looks like a legit freaking. I mean, he he should be top five Heisman guy. <laughs> I mean, he can run around a little bit. He can throw the ball a little bit. I mean, that's I what I'm know, saying. Man. He's you just gotta take good. everybody's resume as it is and make a decision. Right. Yep. And so having these artificial wins or losses on that inflates That's the true. resume. So right. you have to just take what they've done and make a judgment call. That's true. I mean, if it was if it was Wisconsin versus Ohio State, like we would be we'd be we wouldn't be saying, yeah, just give Ohio State the win. Right. <laughs> but also it comes down to the eye test at that point, too. Right. I mean, you you see these undefeated power five teams. And, you know, they're not getting in the playoff just because they're undefeated. Right. Yeah. yeah, I guess that would come into play. Like, if, if it did come down to that, the college football playoff, and Wisconsin was 7-0, and and two of those games were forfeits. Right. And I, I'm sure they would take that into account. But I, I mostly I don't want to give anyone a win. Now, <laughs> say, say a team against Michigan couldn't play, I'd probably be all right giving Michigan yeah. a win. You know, perfect, perfect scenario. Come, come December 12th and Ohio State oh. has 10 positives. I'd take that W. Oh. Well, I'd be partying. Broke the streak. And 30, oh, 30 years from now, we'd tell everyone that we beat them 40 to nothing. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Hopefully Nobody's social media back. will be gone by then. Nobody will be able to look up any records. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago or I, who knows? It could have been months ago. But we talked about the the, per, the team that's going to probably win this season or, or succeed best in this season is the hot team because of a shortened season, because of what's going on. Michigan looks like a damn hot team, right? Uh, and, and so did Wisconsin, but now they're taking a step back. I would say Michigan looked like probably the hottest team around in the Big Ten uh, as far as this past weekend goes. So I think that, you know, things are – if we're right, which we always are, the hot team wins, Michigan's going to win, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's still like a ways away. What are we? We're at the end of October, so that December 12th, you know, that's still a month and a half away. So I, I'm totally, I agree with you. I mean, an eight-game schedule, we've seen Michigan, you know, like think about when Chase Win- Winovich and those guys were on the revenge tour yeah. where they get on this roll for six, seven weeks, and they look like the best team in the country yeah. So, yeah, you know, barring any major injuries, if they can play all these games and just keep clicking, keep building confidence, Joe Milton keeps getting reps. I mean, yeah, by December 12th, uh, there will be a ton of snow in Columbus, but who knows, maybe maybe they pull an upset. But, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. The hot team is going to be the favorite. Yeah. Um, so, so let's go, uh, let's go back a, a few days um, and talk about what we saw in the first Minnesota or Michigan versus Minnesota game when that team was really hot. Um, Matt, I, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit here. Holy shit. This team looked lights out different than they have in the past years. It was not what I was expecting. I don't think any of these other guys expected Michigan to look that good. Um, we were pumped to see Joe Milton, but we we're you know nervous about the defensive secondary, nervous about the O-line. 
and none of that really mattered. What did you see over there from uh, from North Carolina? I mean, basically everything you just said. I, I think, <laughs> you know, the one thing I know we've interacted on Twitter a few times uh, about Ed Warner. I know the offensive line lost four starters. That's huge. You You can't, like, discount that at all. But it just proves how good of a coach Ed Warner is. I mean, I know it's one game. I'm going to say this a ton of times, even with Joe Milton and the defense, everything. It's one game. But that offensive line, I mean, they looked like they were midseason form. So, you know, that was awesome to see. Opening up holes. I mean, Charbonnet on that first touchdown run, I mean, it was hole looked like, I mean, something that you, you could drive a semi-truck through or whatever, you know, something like that. But the biggest thing to me, Joe Milton, great. Uh, front seven, you know, Cam McGrone. Uh, Barrett, you know, all these dudes. Amazing. I love seeing them get guys on the field like an A.J. Henning, like Blake Corum getting the first offensive play of the season. Who uh, would have like, guessed that? Right. Actually, I, I saw a crazy, these random stats, I don't know. I mean, it's people who, like, I know people I work with who dig this stuff up. I saw someone <laughs> dig the, the last time a true freshman got the first offensive yards for Michigan was 2008, Martavius Odoms. I think so, it was Spath. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, that, like, never happens. You saw that, too, yeah. Um, but, no, so I, what I love seeing is getting these true freshmen, Roman Wilson on the field, Blake Corm, A.J. Henning, and, you know, you see these guys who are clear difference makers. They've got that speed in space. They've got this playmaking ability. They can make guys miss one-on-one. I don't care if they're true freshmen and they were just playing in high school last year. I don't care. Get them on the field, and Josh Gaddis is getting them the ball. Don't just put them on the field and, you know, they're like a decoy. Blake Corum's legit. I don't care if he's only 18 years old. Get him the ball, make him miss someone, and he's going to gain 40 yards. That's what I like to see. Joel Milton was amazing. I knew it was going to happen. But get these guys on the the field that are fast, and they're going to make guys miss, and hopefully against Ohio State put up some points. So, Matt, I've got a question for you. We've talked about it multiple times on the podcast, but um, we've talked about teams like Alabama – Teams like Clemson, you know, they've got a number one guy at running back. Michigan Mm. has four guys they put in last week that just seem to do, just seem to dominate. Would you rather see a number one guy out of that group or have four guys that can kind of just go after it? Yeah. uh, Yeah. We've talked about this a lot too. And I talk about it a lot with my friends, you know, um, I read an article today that Nick Bumgarner wrote for uh, the athletic and he was talking about Josh Gaddis was talking about uh, having multiple guys. He's going to spread the ball around, whether it was receiver or running back. He's going to give, if Charbonnet gets two carries and then doesn't touch the, the field for two drives, so be it. You know, like Josh Gaddis wants to play the hot hand and, you know, he sees all that talent. So I'm going to trust Josh Gaddis when it comes down to it. But personally, we talked about it uh, before we started recording. I grew up through the 90s where it was Bianca Batuka getting all the carries, where it was time yeah. on week, where it was Chris Perry getting 53 carries against Michigan State, where it was all you have is Mike Hart. Mike Hart over Jake Long. Mike Hart over Jake Long, over and over. And that's so, like, personally, that's what I want to see. If, if Charbonnet's rolling, I want to see him get 25 carries. But, you know, because I feel like, you know, I don't know, you guys probably all played sports at some point. Like, it is kind of tough sometimes to get a carry here, here, there, or if you play basketball, you know, to get a little stretch. And then you sit on the sidelines for a while, and then you got to go back out there and try to get warmed up again. That's the one thing that kind of bothers me. But I guess that's part of the, you know, stay ready. You know, if you're going to get your number called at some point. So I don't know if that answers your question. Personally, I'd rather see like a, a bell cow back, but I'm going to trust Josh Gaddis. He, he's the guy. 
Yeah, and I think I think Justin, you had the same you had the same point previously, where it's hard to get hot, like you said, Matt. Like, let's say you're playing basketball, you get a couple shots up, and they pull you. You know, it's it's hard to get kind of get that rhythm rolling and uh, be able to you know put up the yards and put up the points and put up the stats that you want to. But I mean, personally, if they play the way they did last week with that kind of setup, I'm all for it. But you, yep. but you tugged on my heartstrings with Chris Perry there, man. That's that's my favorite Michigan running back of all time. I was looking at Sports Illustrated posters, and there was one with Chris Perry win the uh, Rose Bowl jersey on it, and it was like a nice little poster I could get. I was like, I think I'm gonna get it. But uh, man, that was like my favorite era of Michigan football: John Navarre, Chris Perry, all those guys. I mean, so fun to watch. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I like How'd... that. I would love to see a, a number one guy. Mm-hmm. How do you, how does, yes, I, so that was my take was like, I'd rather see a bell cow guy than a running back by committee. Um, But Josh Gaddis kind of proven me wrong on Saturday night because he made every single one of those guys valuable and and made Minnesota hurt with all four of them. So it's hard to argue against that. With that being said, Throughout the course of a, of a season, and I, I know it's short this year, but even throughout the course of all those guys' four years at Michigan, how do you keep them all happy um, with the number of carries, you know, in a world where they're all trying – those are all, you know, probably NFL prospects. I know Zach Charbonnet is. I know Blake Corum is. You know, maybe maybe uh, Chris Evans might not be. Um, I don't know. Who, who knows? But how do you keep all those guys happy throughout an entire season and throughout their career at Michigan? Yeah, I was going to ask you guys that, too. Like, if we were talking about this, do you think it's a recruiting tool that schools use against Michigan? Like, you know, you wonder about, like, with Najee Harris, if if Saban or, you know, if some of those guys said that to Najee Harris, like, hey, look what Michigan's doing right now. Like, they kind of go more running back by committee. Yes, come to Alabama, you might have to wait a year or two. But once you get to that spot, you're the guy. I mean, you know, you're the guy. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Like like you guys said, if whatever works. You know, if they're winning games, I don't care if Charbonnet gets one carry for 70 yards and a touchdown and doesn't do anything else, I'm fine with that. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm glad you kind of you guys brought that up. So what I brought up last time or two weeks ago on the podcast is with this new transfer rule. I wonder if it's something as far as getting all these guys playing time to keep them happy and keep them in the program so they don't leave. But like you said, Matt, obviously there's talent with these freshman guys, Corum, Henning, Roman Wilson. If I'm forgetting anybody else, I su- I'm sorry. But there's like I mean, they showed <laughs> they showed obvious talent week yep. one against Minnesota as freshmen. Um yep. So I'm, do you think it's more more so maybe that transfer rule or they're just so talented that, that Josh Gaddis is like, I don't care if you're a freshman or, you know, you just stepped on campus last week, whatever it is, you're talented. I'm putting you on the field. I mean, it's probably both. You know, they're probably seeing that a bunch of dudes are transferring like Penn State's already had a few guys enter the transfer portal and stuff. So, I mean, I'm sure it's both. I hope that it's just Harbaugh and Gaddis sitting there saying we can't leave these talented guys on, on the bench. I mean, yeah, we're winning nine, 10 games, but we can't beat Ohio state. And we're watching Ohio state zip up and down the field against us. We got a guy like AJ Henning or Roman Wilson over here who could actually like keep up with these guys, you know, with their defenders. We got to get him on the field. I said the same thing last year with Dax Hill. I know he came in and he was probably like a little raw, but I was like those first few games where he wasn't getting many snaps. I'm like this dude, he's, 
he's going to be like maybe a Heisman contender, you know, by the time it comes around to it. Like, wow. Get him on the field. Like, put him on the field. I don't care. Like, especially when you see teams just running these crossing routes and torching them. I'm like, Dax Hill's the best athlete on the team. I don't care if he's a true freshman. Put him out there. And, you know, so hopefully Harbaugh and Gaddis are seeing that. Yeah. I can also see the whole rotating a bunch of people in settle down a little bit as the season goes on. Cause think about it after week one, how many guys have you seen at each position? How many different formations does now every single team on the rest of Michigan schedule have to prep for? So I think it was a little bit of a mind game, especially while Michigan was up and rolling that they felt that they could do that. And now all of a sudden, you know, Wisconsin in a few weeks, Indiana, even Ohio State's watching, thinking, oh, shit, we've got to actually game plan for this Michigan offense where nobody has really had to do much to game plan against Michigan's offense in the past. Um, so I think there's there's a lot to say for that. And I can see I can see that settling down a little bit. And now that some of these freshmen get their snaps, some some of these guys, there will be. Um, some guys emerge a little bit that as, uh, as some starters who get a, a good, a better majority of the snaps and there's a, and that becomes a second tier of guys as well. Yeah. I mean, part of it too might be, you know, this year doesn't count against eligibility. So, I mean, you know, you're not playing with that. A guy can only play four games, you know, whatever that weird rule was. This year, no matter how many you play, are you drinking that M43? I literally just saw that, and I was like, Rose going to be hammered by the end of this episode. <laughs> That's good stuff. I, got I, I saw that the other day down here at a beer store in Charlotte, and I was like, oh, oh shit. I got to pick some of this up. And I, I got distracted when I saw that M43. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, I'm drinking the M43 now, so my Sparty takes coming up here are extra, extra hot. Oh, I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, we might as well get into Sparty. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So, um, I mean, we do you want to talk about what happened with Michigan State versus Rutgers this past weekend? I mean, shit, even that was like one of the first games ever where I was laughing a lot. I will say that. But at some point I was like even feeling a little bit bad for Michigan State. Like, holy shit. <laughs> No, Matt's shaking his head. Absolutely <laughs> not. I, it, it was like that was bad football all around. Nine turnovers, ten turnovers, I think, in the whole game. Dear God, what did we think about uh, a little preview into what we might see uh, this Saturday from Sparty on their end? I mean, the only reason I shake my head is because, like you guys, we had to watch that six or seven year stretch where. Michigan was doing that against Michigan State, so I don't feel bad for Sparty at all, especially <laughs> all, the, all the smack they talked with Mel Tucker coming in. But you know, Mel Tucker, I mean, that was that was as like not of like the least ideal start for a head coach you could possibly have. He comes in late to the recruiting, you know, cycle. COVID happens. He's already, you know, D'Antonio left him a, an awful roster, uh, and then his team in the first game turns the ball over seven times. So, I mean, like, I, I really don't think that team that we saw against Rutgers is what they're going to be the rest of the year. I said this on our podcast the other day. I think playing Michigan after that Rutgers game is the best scenario for them because they can put Rutgers behind them, whatever. Throw that tape, bury it, you know, whatever, and get up for Michigan. Because if they were playing Illinois or, you know, something like that, it would kind of be like, ah, oh, God, here, like, how do we get up for Illinois or, you know, whatever. 
there's no way you can't get up for this Michigan game. So it's like, you want to get over Rutgers, go out against Michigan, don't turn the ball over seven times and fight and hell, maybe try and win a game because, you know, if you want to like make a statement to your fan base, if you're Mel Tucker, don't go lose by 40 like D'Antonio was doing the last couple of years when he was there. <laughs> See, that scares me, man. You th- you think you think Sparty's got a chance. I, I texted uh, Justin earlier today and I was like, Hey man, you want to go down to Detroit? Let's play some bets on Michigan to to pound to pound the Spartans. So that's the last thing I want to hear right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying a chance. I, I definitely think Michigan's gonna win. But you know, like I'm just saying, like if you want to sell to your team, like you know, let's fight, let's put Rutgers behind us. Michigan's over here talking about Joe Milton's gonna win the Heisman, and this is Harbaugh's best team and stuff like that. That's you know, I, I think Michigan's gonna end up winning, but. You know, they're going to put up a fight. We know Michigan State. They're going to put up a fight. Right. Yeah, I don't think we can approach this game as if, you know, yeah, they're going to have seven more turnovers again, right? right. That's that's not the right attitude. we got to show up just like we're playing, you know, D'Antonio's team from 2014. Uh, and then we can really, uh, you know, be blue by 90. Yeah, yeah and Justin, I think you, you, you quoted a tweet from uh, Khalid Hill, right? Something yeah. about he's like he's like you can't take these guys lightly, especially week two after coming off a big loss. I mean, they're gonna come out ready. Like this is their Super Bowl. Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah, I mean, especially, especially for this season because yeah. it's already weird. Who knows? We're already seeing a game Wisconsin and Nebraska game canceled. So who knows what's gonna happen the rest of the season? If Michigan State can go out there and pull an upset against Michigan. And then who knows, say in two weeks, the season's canceled or something, you know, just absolutely ridiculous happens. They can hang their hat on this game right here. Like you said, it's their Super Bowl. Yeah. Like back in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and I will say the start to Mark D'Antonio's reign was just focusing on Michigan. He hung his hat on only winning that Michigan game every year. And he he rolled that into actually making them a top 15 program and then a top 10 program, and then a top five program. So it starts with this, and Mel Tucker knows that. I'm sure, I don't know if Mark D'Antonio still calls into the, or still is around the program. Probably not. He probably got out of the Dodge and said, I'm good. I did my job. I'm a legend here. But I'm sure Mel Tucker has, you know, watched the tapes of exactly what D'Antonio did. And so you, you already know that this is, this is the one game circled. And so if they're going to go one in seven, this is the one they want to win. Um, and, and so they're going to come out with, with the, uh, you know, with the floodgates open. So um, I, I do think there's not a damn team in the nation that would win with seven turnovers. Now yeah. Clemson would never win. Clemson wouldn't beat Virginia. Clemson wouldn't beat Georgia tech with seven turnovers, you know? So, so they didn't have a fighting chance. And for them to even get it within 11 points, I actually think is a decent, it means that they're a better football team than, than what showed on the scoreboard and what showed in that game. So I don't know if I see it being 25 points. Um, but on the other hand, I've said this before too, Jim Harbaugh hasn't been able to beat Ohio state. So in order for him to appease this fan base and make sure that all of us can go talk shit to our Sparty friends at work and all the, you know, students can talk shit to their, to their friends at Michigan state. He has to win this game and he has to dominate it. So yeah. he knows that and he's going to make the nem- an emphasis on that. And, and they're not going to let up. If the fourth quarter and it's 50 to seven, 
They're, he's going to try and make it seven. <laughs> oh, and there's already, you know, things have already shifted a little bit as far as recruiting, like with Michigan and Michigan State. So, you know, everything you said is spot on. If if you want to make a statement against a first-year head coach, people are already questioning the program a little bit at Michigan State. Recruits are starting to pull away. Go out there and beat them 50-7, to seven, and you're just going to make a statement that, we're clearly the better program in the state. I don't care if you have a new head coach that smokes cigars and wears a cool hat in practice. <laughs> like we're we're gonna dominate this rivalry. So yeah. Bro, I was getting a little nervous there, man. I feel like you were giving uh, Sparty some love for a second. I was not <laughs> expecting that this episode. See, I I have to set him up a little bit, fluff him up a little bit before we just put the fucking hammer in him. Right? <laughs> so I I I here's the thing, Michigan scored 49 points on Saturday, right? They left what at least 14 on the board. There was the Eric all drop and and we had a couple others. We missed three Man, field goals. Three field goals, yeah. So there was the opportunity for Michigan to score 60 plus points. What do you think they're going to do on Saturday? I, I I honestly think this could be a Rutgers 79 to nothing type game. Michigan State's not down to that talent level, but again, Jim Harbaugh is trying to send a message that th- he owns this state and there is literally zero zero r- wiggle room in that statement. So he's coming out especially in a game now it's at home. Let's be honest, guys. Did you watching that Michigan State game? Did you see a single weapon on either side of the ball where you're like, I think they have a one-on-one mismatch versus Michigan? I think yeah. I saw that Reed guy make a pretty nice catch in the end zone, but that was, that was about it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think Michigan has an advantage at literally every position, and so this is the first time that Michigan's been able to say that. For a long time, even in the past couple of years, Michigan State has had had some good players. They were just kind of in a weird in a weird spot with that program. Um, for the first time, Michigan State is really down in the dumps, and Michigan is going to have a field day on Saturday. And I honestly think twenty five is an easy bet. Minus twenty five is fucking hammer that. Dude, I was I mean, talking to my my guy Larry Lage. I mean, former Spartan. He he was actually Sparty. He was the mascot when really? he was I at didn't Michigan State. Fun fact. But he told me, he was like, J.D., you better be hammering that line. Michigan, I mean, he's like, they're going to score at least 30-plus. Like, win <laughs> by at least 30-plus. against. Now, Spartans. here's a thought. I want to just throw this out there and see what you guys think. So, let's say we're up by 30 at halftime, right? Very comfortable lead. How would you feel if Cade McNamara came out in the second half? Let's get the, you know, young guy, a lot of reps in a rivalry setting. What would you guys say to that? I'm all I mean, for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I go ahead, be, Matt. If, if they're up 30, I wouldn't be against it. But kind of to Justin's point, I don't think Harbaugh would do that. At least, you know, like in that scenario, I think he'd at least give Milton the third quarter, get him, get him up 40, 42, and then maybe bring McNamara in. But because I think I'm, I'm all – I agree with you. I think he's out there. He's going to try and make a statement. Will he run it up 70 to nothing or, you know, something like that? You know, maybe not that far, but he also, I think he also understands that they're looking around. Wisconsin's already got a game canceled. Penn State is probably going to start their season off 0-2. 
I mean, I think like everything is in front of Michigan right now to get on a roll, like what we were talking about. And this might be the season that get on that roll and hopefully stay healthy and everything until that December 12th game. So I think Harbaugh is going into it saying we need to go out, get reps. We need to get Melton comfortable. We need to figure out some stuff with the running backs. We need to figure out like Ben Mason's role, you know, all of that stuff. Like, so I don't think there's going to be any, yeah, if it's, if it's 63 to three in the fourth quarter, yeah. Okay. Maybe McNamara comes in there um, like Mac, like he did against Minnesota. But I, I think Gaddis and, and the whole staff, I think everyone's looking at it. Like we didn't really get like a, a preseason, you know, we didn't get to start the season off with middle Tennessee state. We got it. We got to figure this out. We're in the thick of a big 10 schedule. So I'll be curious to see what they do. See Kalen. I hope, I hope they put Cade McNamara in at halftime because then that gives me hope that Dan Valari comes in the fourth quarter. And that's who that's who we all really want to see if we're going to admit it. Come on now, fellas. I mean, obviously, future second-round draft pick, yes. Dan hand hand gifted the number four by Nico Collins. That's true. That's true. Is, he, is he your guys' boy or something? He's my yeah, boy. boy. <laughs> I'll send you the highlight, Matt. I'll send you the highlight. There's, a, there's one reason why I love Dan Valari, and you're going to you're gonna hate me for it once I send yes, it to you. <laughs> the most fire mixtape out there, bro. <laughs> and you're, you're not incredible. talking about mixtape like a high school mixtape, like high school football mixtape. This is – Oh, even worse. It's like, no, it's like he's on a practice field. He's not even playing anybody. I, <laughs> And to give you some perspective here, I thought Russell Bellamy was going to be the next great Michigan quarterback, if you remember him. He was supposed to be. He, he was, was four, four-star guy, dual threat, coming into Rich Rod or Brady Hope system, whoever it was at the time. I thought yeah. he was solid, man. He had some good size on him, but oof, not not so I, much. I did see it. Unfortunately, he did not make the travel roster. He, he did not dress for Michigan in game one. Oh, gosh. I'm Probably He's just partying too much. It's a good thing we're I mean, playing at home. He's he's probably got too many girls around him. Dude, un, he's a un, weirdo. He's from friggin' New New York or New Jersey. Jim Tan Laundry. He's hitting up Necto. That's why, <laughs> that's why I didn't make it. Too busy partying. I'm okay with that. Okay, that's my guy. Give him a couple years. All right. Just think don't he's gonna COVID around the rest. Stay at Necto. Don't go back home. They should have like a COVID section, like where like. <laughs> There's like just a group of guys that can just go out and but they stay they stay in their like COVID dorm. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna wait for that line to be in the next uh, Drake single or something, just chilling in the COVID section. <laughs> All right, here we go. PT Records making a comeback. <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I mean, coming back to some seriousness about Cade McNamara though, we saw Graham Mertz go out. I wouldn't mind seeing Cade McNamara get some real time because we're one positive test from seeing him as a starter. So if we are up big, you know, as much as I would love to watch us put up 70 against MSU, I also, for the for the real strength of the program, re, we probably need to see Cade McNamara out there. thing that I... It's like the thing that nobody wants to talk about or think about, right? It's like, hey... We do have Joe Milton and all these great things, but you know, what if he what if he gets his bell rung in a play and we need to put Cade in and it's in a pressure situation, right? I just I want to be able to somewhat depend on my backup, right? We we even were able to depend on Wilton Spate against Minnesota last time, right? Yeah. So I mean, I would just want to have a little bit of comfortability 
with our young guys because as far as I know, those were the only reps he's had in that last Minnesota game. Yeah, yeah. Matt, I don't I don't know what you think about this, but uh, I mean, I thought Cade looked solid out there. He looked poised. I mean, he wasn't in there for a lot of a lot of snaps, but I mean, he's another guy, four star guy, out yeah. of his class. I mean, the top top quarterback. I mean, Kalen, if he comes in at halftime and he can get solid reps, then we know what you know the coaching staff can kind of see what what we'll get out of him if if Milton does go down, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, but yeah, Matt, I don't know if you have any insight on that. I mean, I, I think no, I I do agree. I, I guess I I'm backtracking on what I said because yeah, it, there would be value in getting him s- some snaps because yeah, if Milton goes out for whatever reason, you want a guy with at least a little bit of experience. But I mean, I'm sure you guys have read a lot of stuff too. Gaddis is like and Harbaugh are like glowing about McNamara. Almost. Yeah. Like, I was reading some articles and I was like, are, is McNamara gonna start? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so, Sounds like he's just blowing it up at practice. So right, yeah, get him some game reps, even if even if it's against Michigan State, you know. Yeah, I I think that I don't know. There there's also value in beating the shit out of Michigan State as far as recruiting goes. I, I mean, yeah. quite honestly, right? Like if if you can own the state of Michigan and not lose a single recruit there, there's some value to that too. So um, you know, I can see Harbaugh going out there and saying. Hey, we're going to pummel them into the ground and make sure everybody out there knows that the only program to go to in Michigan is Michigan. There, nobody's even going to start considering Michigan State. And they're already in struggling on the recruiting trail. So I, I, I bet you that's in the back of his mind, too. Um, and I, I can see it happening. So, um, all right. Well, I mean, that's a are there any are there any concerns? Like, I, I know, obviously, we've talked about Michigan pretty big in this game. Is there any any place to concern that would like maybe maybe you could see Michigan State making a run at this thing? Turnovers, you know, like we we talked about Michigan State basically losing that game because they turned it over seven times. I don't know, maybe a couple. Are you are you concerned about the fumbles that we got back uh, versus Minnesota? I don't know. Like sometimes I just think that's like maybe some jitters. Like they were doing that stupid pooch kick, and I just I was like, stop trying to return this. I know Barrett had that awesome return. It was like stop trying to just you know when Corum fumbled that once, like call a fair catch and move on. I don't. know. I'm not too concerned about that. But you know, like Milton at some point is going to show that he's human. So I just wonder if like he's going to miss a couple throws and maybe that like gets Michigan State fired up or something like that. But otherwise, athleticism and talent should overshadow basically everything Michigan state does. But that being said, we shouldn't take them lightly. <laughs> now, I haven't checked any of the scouting reports or anything like that. Does anybody know if there's anyone sitting out due to COVID or what during any issues for this game for Michigan or state or both um, on either side? I've heard nothing so far. Me neither. I think everybody's good to go. Um, the one thing that I was going to say, um, is a concern just for, for Michigan going forward or not, not really concerned, but maybe a reason to halt the, you know, slow down the, the hype on them. But Michigan had really, really good, uh, field position on nearly every single drive. Yeah. So, so you can't expect to have to start on the 50 yard line every time. So, not that they, they – I mean, they move the ball e- easily anyways, but I do think that they're – you know, you can't expect that. And so um, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I think that you just have, we can't expect that they're going to score 60 points a game or even 49 or 40 points a game um, because they're going to have to move essentially twice as far every time um, if they want to score going forward if a team actually kicks deep on them. No, yeah, that's a good point because I don't know what you guys were thinking, but I was blown away that Minnesota didn't at least have like some kid who just came in as a Get freshman. a soccer kid. Get right. – Literally any of us Anybody. could have kicked it farther than that. My God. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I hadn't thought about that before. That you know, most other teams are going to have a competent kicker. So Michigan's going to have to be having 75, 85 yard drives to score. So that's a good point. But hopefully, that's where the play calling and stuff like that will come come into play. And hopefully, Moody or Nordeen actually uh, remembers how to make a kick because that that's going to be big at some point. Yeah, it sounds like Nordine will be healthy this week, and it sounds like he's the uh, – I'd assume he'd have to be the number one guy after Moody had a bad game last week. But I don't know. Before the season, Moody was my guy. But, man, he had a rough, rough game. Yeah. It wasn't even close. wasn't even close. Yeah. Yeah, Nordine usually had been, like, the, the deep kicker, I guess. Like, basically anything, like, 40 yards plus. Right. So, if maybe Moody just really doesn't have that big of a leg. I mean, he was missing, and he missed. I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, but I was saying one thing that I I was pleased with, and I'm sure you guys were, everyone was, were the corners, because the corners for Michigan were definitely a question mark coming in, and seeing them perform against Bateman, and you know, Bateman had a bunch of catches, but most of them were against like quick slants and bubbles and stuff like that. So seeing Gray and Green out there perform, I, I did. That was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, we talked about that last week. <laughs> I think Justin brought up that uh, Bateman had, you know, nine or ten uh, receptions for over 100 yards, but it didn't really feel like he had that big of a game. And right. I feel like Jamon Green had a great game. I did not expect him to play that well at all. And uh, that was really encouraging to see out of the secondary. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the I, I've said this a couple times, but the ceiling for this defense is how well that, that defensive secondary plays. Um, and so if Jamon Green all of a sudden can can catch up really quickly and be an elite defender, be an elite corner, and same with Vincent Gray, um, I, I think that, that means this secondary is all of a sudden really good and this defense is all, all of a sudden really good. Um, you know, I, I don't expect that to be a thing. Um, but it, it, the, the defense, listen, we saw about it. You've seen it in the SEC, Matt. You know, it's about scoring points or points right now. It's okay now to win a game 55 to 51. You know, all of a sudden that's acceptable. Um, whereas in the past few years, it was like, oh, they only do that in the Big 12. If you want to play real football, you win a game 13 to 10, like we do in the SEC in the Big 10. You know, and so now all of a sudden you got to score points. And Michigan seems to be able to do that, which is uh, which is pretty fun. Um, let's uh, let's go around the rest of the Big Ten. Was there anybody else around the Big? You know, Indiana and Penn State had a had a fun game. Um, obviously, Wisconsin looked good, but um, you know we know the situation with them. Ohio State kind of hung around uh, with Nebraska for a little bit in the first half and then pulled away. Was there anyone else? Was there any anything that stood out to you in the Big Ten where you're like? oh, my power rankings are changed, or you think that um, things could end up differently on Michigan's schedule going forward? 
I don't think so. I mean, I, I think Penn State was overrated to begin with. So, like, maybe it was a little bit of a surprise to them or for them to lose Indiana, but I think they were overranked anyway. And I just love to see that because I can't stand James Franklin and how people act like he's a better coach than Harbaugh. So I love seeing him blow a game. But otherwise, I think everything was as expected. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I think great for Indiana to beat Penn State. Because I know personally, I always, I'm always nervous when Michigan plays Indiana. It's always a tough game. I feel like they're always kind of like the underdog going into the game. But coming off the big victory in game one, I think people will kind of prepare for Indiana like one of those middle to top tier Big Ten teams and maybe take a little bit more seriously where it's not as much of a surprise. But, I mean, you got to look at Northwestern, right? I think they beat Maryland 49-3. to That was very surprising. Peyton Ramsey. Peyton Ramsey, Indiana transfer. That's true, because they they usually don't have like a super explosive offense. So that's no. true. Yeah, I didn't really feel like there are any real surprises. I mean, um, I mean, what well, Jack? I think we were, had the TV on like Purdue coming back and winning. And I mean that that was just like, oh, okay, great. Like, <laughs> but I mean, other than that, I mean, the only real surprise to me was the fact that Rutgers beat MSU. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, we've gone over pretty much everything we need to here around the Big Ten. And, you know, looking back on Minnesota, looking forward to Michigan State. Let's go to our zero to nine. Matt, do you you're you're a recurring listener, right? You you listen to what we've got going on here. You know you know about our zero to nineties? I've checked in a few things, so I know the gist of the, the zero to ninety. Okay. Good. Good. Once a few beers have been flowing, you can kind of let it go. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Sometimes I get a few too many M43s deep, and then the 0 to 90 really takes a tumble. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's all right. It comes out out good. So, all right. Well, um, do you want to go first, or do you want to go last? Best for last, man. we got to save the guest for last. last. (laughs) All right. Yeah, you want to go first? I can do that. All right. Here we go. Rivalry week version. Of, <laughs> oh, baby. We're ready. We're ready. Rivalry week version of 0 to 90. Jack, your 0 to 90 starts now. What I love about this week, I live in a house divided. My wife is a Sparty fan, went to MSU, got her undergrad, graduate degree from there. I grew up in Ann Arbor. We're going to talk about. <laughs> Such an anticlimactic moment. But anyway, talk to my boy Larry Lage, avid Spartan fan, writer for the AP, former Sparty himself. He told me, bet the points for Michigan. I'm going to say Michigan by 35, putting the money on it, taking the over. Let's make some money this weekend, boys. Woo! I like that. I like that a lot. I I like that. I like that you're just from Ann Arbor. I like that. <laughs> oh, I should have added I played sports in Ann Arbor in college, but didn't specify. I can cut that out. No. You know, I had in my in my Twitter bio for a long time it was oh, I played back. I played football at a at a university in Ann Arbor. Um, not Michigan, but yeah. <laughs> 
It wasn't a lie. It wasn't it was a not lie. Not a lie. Very truthful. All right, I love that. I love that. I mean, we're gonna. You guys are gonna be over. We're gonna just give Heather shit. You know. I mean, come on. She's she's not gonna stand a chance on Saturday. No chance. So. All right, Kaylin, you ready? Yes, sir. All right, Kaylin, your rivalry week version of zero to ninety starts now. All right. I grew up in Ann Arbor. <laughs> right down the street from the big house there's one thing that i grew up knowing it was that we need to beat ohio state but the second thing that i grew up knowing was that you always got to give an extra little punch in the gut to your little brother when you're making a statement and that statement is michigan 90 msu zero hell yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's probably not going to be the real score. My real zero to 90 would be Joe Milton throws for minimum 300 yards for little brother. It's going to be a beautiful day on Saturday, boys. 50 right. degrees and sunny. I think 300 yards is very. Sling it. Let's let Joe's I arm. Little, I love the little brother comment. I missed out on that one. So I appreciate that. I so like got to bring some in. It's okay. Did you guys did you guys get ex- as excited as I did the first time Milton threw a deep ball on Saturday? Oh, oh my yes. god. I was like, he's so letting the, it go. Uh, he's letting it go. And then it missed him by 15 <laughs> yards. I was like, oh, I was so excited. It almost went through the goalpost. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna get one of those. He's gonna he's get going. one of those. Yep. And we're gonna all just go ballistic. Oh it's god. It's gonna be nuts, man. All right, somebody get me here. All right, Justin, you ready? Somebody might have to cut me off here if I just keep going, honestly. No, dude, you'll get me hyped. I'm ready. Go for hours. (laughs) All right. Clear your throat. Uh, Justin, your 0 to 90 starts now. All right. So I'm from Grand Rapids. (laughs) (laughs) And this is actually part of it because I grew up around Spartans all my life. Nearly every single one of my friends were Spartans. And for the majority of my life from, you know, high school through college and beyond, I had to take it from them year after year from, you know, and they rubbed it in. Trust me. They rubbed it in as much as they could. Now is Michigan's time. Okay. They rubbed it in last year. Michigan ran it down Michigan State's throat 44 to 10 last year. It's going to be a bigger margin this year. I guarantee you that. It was 34 last year. It's going higher this year, okay? Jim Harbaugh, like I said earlier in this podcast, is going to step on their throats. And there's zero chance that Michigan State, I honestly think they score less than seven points. This defense, wow. Hoodie Bay, I've been watching the, the, uh, the replay of 2018 where – uh, Brian Lewerke had literally no chance to go anywhere, right? Because Chase Winovich, Devin Bush, and everyone else was flying after him. Don Brown's going to dial it up against Rocky Lombardi. He's going to have fucking no clue what's going on. His head's going to be turned around backwards by the end of the game. And they aren't gonna, they're not even going to give him a chance to throw. So I'm going to give him less than seven points here uh, this uh, this Saturday. And then... Michigan is just going to let it fly. We're finally going to see Joe Milton instead of the slants, the cross routes, and everything else. He's going to throw more than one deep ball, and they're going to put up 
more than 50 points. Love it. I, I no need argument. something more than that. Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> Put my heart and soul into that. <laughs> no, I'm you, disappointed, honestly. You, I was waiting for more hype than that. You're disappointed? <laughs> They're going to score at least 50-plus points. You've been hanging out with staff too much, man. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I needed more M43. <laughs> We'll call you up for the late show to get the real, real perspective. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Trust me. Come Saturday. We'll do like a, a, a live show on Saturday, like oh, at 1145, God. you know, <laughs> a couple jello shots deep and, and, oh, and many more. Yeah. We'll, we'll be having fun. We'll have to get a couple shotgun videos to throw up for that one, uh, for that one message we got the other day. Oh yeah, we did. We do need to do victory shotguns from now on. I think that's that's going to be a thing. Um, I, I'm all for it too. I also um, we did get a text message for. Um, we didn't talk about this. Sorry, sorry, Matt. We're prolonging your zero to ninety. No, you're good. <laughs> is, is Harbaugh done with the khakis? Man, he, are you talking? He, Maybe I'm talking to all of you, dude. I love. Hey, you guys know this. I love the blue on blue. I think Michigan football unis should go blue on blue. Harbaugh looked. Harbaugh, my my guy looked fresh last Saturday. He went blue on blue with the Lulu boy and the boots. Yeah, probably some Red Wing boots too. My guy was killing it. I love the combat boots on. They were definitely Red Wing boots. I saw he did uh, an interview with Brad Brad Galley, I think is his name. He works for yeah. WXYZ down there. And he asked him about that. And Harbaugh basically said, like, you know, you got to keep it fresh. Or, you know, you got to think about <laughs> yeah. You know, a classic, the most awkward question or answer. Oh, of course. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I like so, it. And he had, like, the tinted. He's got, what were those, the transition glasses? On yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was crushing it, man. I loved it. <laughs> Just it, pure so dead funny. energy. It's so funny because this guy was like the jock, the like, you know, the cool guy his whole life. And so quickly he has transitioned into this dad who gives zero fucks and is going to wear whatever's comfortable, whatever works. Like, you know, yeah. he was the I one, he was the guy on Saved by the Bell. He was the guy, like, yeah. Even even at San Francisco, he was a cool guy. Always had you know sharpie, every, sweater. Um, even coming to Michigan right away, he did the same thing. And it hasn't taken long. He's glasses with transition, gigantic boots, just wearing whatever is comfortable. Oh man, I, I are we are we fans of now of this Harbaugh? Or are we trying to get back to a little bit of a fiery Harbaugh? I mean, I want to see fiery Harbaugh with this new. Swagger he's got, man. Dude, I, he, I mean, I'm expecting him to be throwing his hat and freaking just going nuts with this new swagger he's got. I mean, he, I love the blue on blue. I'm just going to say it again. I love the blue on blue. I love the boots. I think it's a whole new style for Harbaugh. And uh, hopefully it brings that fire back that we saw from 2015, 2016. Yeah. yeah. I think we saw the – sorry to cut you off. Um, I think we saw the tweet from – James Harbaugh. Who yeah, just said, that was my great. dad is on a fashion journey. Fashion journey. Let's go. <laughs> that was great. No, the, the blue on blue. That was the the I, the one good thing that Adidas did 
was when they did the blue on blue. Yes. I hope, bring the, I hope Jordan, they bring those back. Dude, yes. And Jordan would kill it. Yeah. It would cr- kill it. If Adidas can do it, Jumpman can do it. Yeah. True. Also, if you don't follow James Harbaugh, Harbaugh's kid, he's a great follow on Twitter. He's yeah. Super funny about his dad. Um, all right, Matt, we've made you we've made you wait long enough here. We went on like an entire different segment before <laughs> we could let you do this. Um, all right. Talk, talk about Harbaugh's pants all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Matt, your zero to ninety starts now. All right, guys. I'm from Corona, Michigan. <laughs> up there by East Lansing. So like you, Justin, I grew up with Spartan fans all around me. A lot of my friends went to Michigan State, so I was in East Lansing partying a lot on the weekends in college. But my thing, my 0 to 90, is Michigan State fans and what I cannot stand about them all the way from down when I was five years old in elementary school was how they hedged their bets so much. When Michigan State's good, they're all in on Michigan State football. But right now, I'm already seeing, I have some coworkers who are Michigan State grads. They're already moving on to Izzo and the basketball team. They're already, oh, talking, they're already talking about these new uniforms that Michigan State basketball has. And they're already, I've seen some of them even punting on Mel Tucker already, saying that they shouldn't have paid him this much money. And they're already saying, I can't, like, this season doesn't matter. 2020 is a wash. You know, everyone, this is just basically a bunch of scrimmages. Mike Valenti is on the radio saying these are just glorified scrimmages and all that stuff. And I'm sitting here saying, you know, if Michigan State goes in and somehow pulls an upset against Michigan, they're going to be yapping and yapping over and over about how overrated Michigan is. Harbaugh can't win any games. And Michigan State has this rivalry. D'Antonio turned things around. That's what I can't stand. Michigan State fans, Ohio State fans, whatever, they, they kind of earn the arrogance. You know, we haven't beat them in 30 years or whatever it is. Michigan State fans, go back to your place. I hope we beat them by 70. Go back to your place. <laughs> Punch them in the gut, little brother, Mike Hart, come back, call him little brother again, put him in a place, and then you can go on to basketball season. Matt, I, I love, I love that you said that. Because Ohio State, you're right. They have earned their arrogance. And that's where something where I personally respect the Ohio State program. I love a lot of the things that they do. But I hate Michigan State. They have not earned shit. They suck at everything. And Michigan's about to blow their fucking gasket this weekend. Let's go. I've gotten in so many face-to-face. I mean, a lot lot in East Lansing, you know, after a few M43s. A lot in East Lansing. (laughs) on Twitter and just uh, all the time questioning when they, they make Mark D'Antonio out to be freaking Joe Paterno or, or like the best coach in college football. And I'm like, look at these records. The only time D'Antonio was good was through the Rich Rod and Hoke era. Pre, Love you know, that Scott Bell tweet that you talked yeah, about. And then with Harbaugh, like he was basically like a mediocre coach and they just can't handle it. So, oh man. Can oh, I, I can feel it coming out of I him. I know. Right I now. like that. <laughs> they got me fired up. I love it. I mean, you're not that okay. You you put that out today on the three point pod Instagram, right? And it was a Scott Bell tweet, but it's it's so correct, mm-hmm. right? If Michigan doesn't have Rich Rod and Brady Hoke go in the worst seven eight years of Michigan football history, then Michigan State and Mark D'Antonio never get to the height that they were. Yeah, I mean it's, it's indisputable, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, we, we all know that when Richrod came in, Michigan was trying to change things up and modernize or whatever. It clearly was a train wreck. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, D'Antonio, if they would have brought in a coach who would have kind of kept Lloyd Carr's program going, maybe even Hoke at that time, maybe Hoke would have at least kept things going a little bit. And I Hoke was not ready to be a head coach. But, you know, I don't think D'Antonio would have made that run. I, I really don't. Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, I I'm all for the the MSU slander. I've also gotten in plenty of I, I've lost a few friends over the Michigan Michigan State <laughs> rivalry. I feel like we can all kind of say that it, it's it's to that point. It's that personal for a lot of people in this state of Michigan. So um, I'm looking forward to Saturday. You know what? This is one of those weeks where where there were so many weeks for the past 10, 12 years where I was dreading this day, honestly, mm-hmm. where it was like, all right, shit, I, I know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm, we were the ones hoping to pull the upset. Yeah. Now it's like, all right, I can't wait for this day because it's going to be an unbelievable day and not, there ain't a chance that it's going to go wrong for us. So I imagine it's going to go the same way this year. Um, can't wait for Saturday. Um, anything else from you guys before we, uh, before we take off here, Matt, plug your, uh, plug your podcast one more time. Yeah. So three point podcast. Again, we've talked about it a little bit. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere at three point pod. If you want to get some, uh, some good generational discussions from a 63 year old, a 35 year old and a 21 year old come there and you'll hear some, some pretty ridiculous takes, but some good discussions too. (laughs) And you are, you're Burnsy, what is it, Burnsy 811 or something? Oh, I'm a Burnsy 381. That's a 381. That was pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> right. Burnsy 381 on Twitter. Um, so go follow him there as well. Thank you, Matt, for coming on. We appreciate you here coming on during Rivalry Week. Um, this is a fun week for us. So obviously um, we can't wait to, for Saturday to come and to tailgate a little bit and watch the the maize and blue cross the uh, green and white. So thank you guys for listening. You can follow us at blue by 90 on Twitter and Instagram at blue by 90 pod on YouTube and at blue by 90 on Facebook as well. So give us a follow, give us a, a like and subscribe on, uh, on, you know, wherever you get your podcast as well. Other than that, we will see you guys next week. Go blue. Go blue. Go blue.